you don't need to be like in a leotard covered in blood to be like this cool girl in a rock band. Like there's yeah. so many different types of women and so many different ways to feel good and empowered and raw. And I was, I just kind of like remember at that moment just being like, you gotta find a way to contribute somehow, like no matter how that is. That's Alana Carroll, AKA Party Nails. And this is the Powerful Ladies Podcast. Hey guys, I'm your host, Kara Duffy, and this is the Powerful Ladies Podcast, where I invite my favorite humans, the awesome, the up to something, and the extraordinary to come and share their story. I hope that you'll be left entertained, inspired, and moved to take action towards living your most powerful life. Alana Carroll is a musician, artist, music educator, and on stage is known as Party Nails. You can find her indie pop music on Spotify. Her song, Solo, is a personal favorite of mine. On this episode, we discuss how being a musician means being an entrepreneur, when she realized music was her true calling, and how she got the name Party Nails. All that and so much more coming up, but first. Being an entrepreneur or a small business owner is hard, but the good news is it's much easier when you have a coach and a community. The Powerful Ladies Online community gives you both. It's where powerful ladies and powerful entrepreneurs from around the world discover clarity, produce results, and experience success at new levels because together we thrive. As a member, you get access to master a new skill for business every month, network, brainstorm, and collaborate with like-minded women, get access to powerful ladies events, our library resources, and more. Participate in group coaching and workshops led by a multipreneur business coach and you get the accountability and inspiration to stay on track and make it happen. Join today at thepowerfulladies.com. Well, welcome to the Powerful Ladies podcast. Thank you, Kara. I'm so excited to be here. I'm so excited to have you. So Jordan was bragging all about you (laughs) and how awesome you are and how much you're helping her and that she's just so excited to you know, have found this awesome LA friend. Because my experience is like finding friends when you move to LA is like not the easiest city to like Dude, find yeah. people. Yeah. And for sure. she's like, we need to have this woman on the podcast. She's so awesome. She's called Party Nails. And I was like, wait, hold on, say that again. Like I got so <laughs> excited because Jordan recommends people all the time, right? Most of whom are totally awesome. And I immediately went onto Spotify found your stuff. And this was just before I was about to make dinner. And then you have now become my dinner making playlist. I feel like that's a big like life goal of mine to become the dinner playlist. So thank you. You're welcome. That's so sweet and so exciting. No, like I, you know, you never know, like your sister gives you some tip or advice and she's like, no, she's great. You're like, okay, I'll see. Yeah. And I was like, why didn't you tell me about her sooner? Like that was really how I felt. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, Um, I love that. Well, I would love to start by introducing yourself to everyone that's with us today and then just tell them like who you are and what you're up to. Sure. Uh, My name is Alana Carroll. My artist name is Party Nails and uh, I live in Los Angeles now, but I'm originally from upstate New York near Albany. And I started as a viola player at 11. Uh, Yeah, 11, 10 or 11 fifth grade, I think. And then um, maybe nine. Yeah, I think it was fourth grade, actually. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, And then guitar at 11. And then eventually production when I was in college or like the 
like the very early years of college. So um, now I'll, I'll be 30 in July. So it's been like a minute uh, of all of that. And I started touring three years ago. So I'm still kind of at the beginning of my professional career, but I'm like, I'm past the the brutal beginning, which is like, that was really something for sure. Yeah. For, for people who aren't musicians, like what's the brutal beginning? Oh my gosh. Um, there's like a lot of challenges with, with fr- figuring out how to like do music, but also survive and like pay all of your bills, especially if um, it's tricky for everybody. But if you're... Um, somebody like myself who had to sort of pay a lot of bills from an early age, which is totally cool. Like no complaints. Um, it's just another thing to worry about and another level of insecurity that you have about yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's kind of a really big thing because not only do you have like imposter syndrome without all of the pressures of like social and, and financial life and sort of being like, was it worth it going to college? Like, should I have gone abroad? You know, you're like, what, 21? And you're just like, did I do everything wrong? And like, you're pretty convinced that you have. So like, all of that is just very, very challenging um, in and of itself. But then when you do start actually recording and writing and making things, then all of the challenge in your personal life is sort of exponentially greater because it's also in your creative life because there's so many ways you can approach the same problem. I always say like to people I collaborate with when they sort of talk about what inspires them about musicians, if they themselves aren't musicians, I always like and enter into this conversation with them where I say something like, you know, I think a lot of the musicians that we all admire and we all consider to be very prolific and like have found their way of contributing to our pop culture canon, there's probably like 20 other identities that they could have just as easily adopted and done um, as beautifully as the current one. And if they're, if they're smart slash lucky, like they can kind of do all of them through the course of their career. But like, I don't know, like, like Jordan and I have talked about this a little bit. It's like, there's, you can actually be a lot of different people in one person. You just don't really know which one's going to resonate at the time. Like whether it's Mm -hmm. Spotify or your show or who's going to take you on tour. And at a certain point, like it is a little out of your hands because you are talking about a market and you are talking about like putting something in the world that needs to be there. So you kind of have to relinquish control while at the same time figuring out how you get to still be yourself in a way. It's a strange, so that's very brutal because it's just a lot of rude awakenings and a lot of like conflicting information. Mm -hmm. You know, it's a weird place to find your balance, I think. Well, how did you come up with the name Party Nails? Oh, uh, I was, um, the origins of party nails were themselves sort of brutal. So I was in a poopy relationship, shitty relationship. I just remembered I'm allowed to swear. Um, <laughs> and, um, we both were sort of trying to figure out me, especially because he, we were trying to figure out how to survive, like how to approach, how to get into the professional world of musicianship but having to work full time in order to support ourselves, um, which is hard. And he had um, 
received a, an inheritance, a small inheritance, inheritance. So he had a little more free time than me. Um, and that like created some resentment on my part for sure. Um, but I tried to manage that as best as I could. Um, and we together were just really interested in working together. He, he, his skill set, he was a few years older than me. And so he was like the first person to record my voice and kind of produce it in a way that it was like very visible the same way that it would be in a pop recording. Mm -hmm. And he was the first person to be like, yeah, like you can sing like that if you want to. And I was like, what? That's crazy. Like, why wouldn't I just like, just turn up the distortion on everything and like chain smoke in my rehearsal space. Like that's what music's really about. <laughs> like I just was like 21, you know, I was just like, so in this other world and it was very hard for me to commit to whatever this other thing was. So for a long time, it was sort of enveloped in this com complicated relationship where, where I was slowly learning a lot of those other things and slowly taking risks, but also always kind of having my foot in my own world of my artist project that I had at that time, which was called Vernus. Um, and, uh, and now, years later, it's come full circle. And a lot of those sounds that were there and the songwriting styles that were there are now part of Party Nails. But initially with Party Nails in like 2014, that's what it was like. And we got a few... Um, the one contact that we had in like real music was um, somebody who had all these briefs, which is like, hey, everybody, I'm this is me typing an email. Hey, everybody, like, we need a song that sounds just like Feist, one, two, three, four, like mm -hmm. make that in two hours and send it back to us like you and 200,000 other people are submitting. And if you win, then you'll like rule the world is basically how it felt. <laughs> Uh, so we would just do tons of those and eventually um, we needed a band name and we were out and I saw these girls that I knew doing their nails together and I liked that they were, they, we were like at the house party before we were going out mm -hmm. and um, I just thought it was so sweet. I loved that they, that like pretty much no one else would notice besides them, but it was like this beautiful, like we're doing this for ourselves and for each other. Like we're painting each other's nails so that we can feel a little bit more empowered when we go out. And I just thought there was like some sort of almost like a secret language kind of. Um, and I was like party nails and it ended up sticking. And a few years later I had to like fight a little bit to keep the name once I severed ties with those people. But um, I was like, no, we're not, there's no compromising. The name is mine. It's a beautiful name. We're keeping, I'm keeping this forever. <laughs> So that's a, that's the long version. No, I think it's a great name. Like instantly you're like, oh yeah, this is going to be fun. It's party nails. Party <laughs> nails are fun. Like there's that's no great. way around it. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I like will get the, um, I, I can't get my nails done permanently because I play the guitar, but there's like um, press-ons mm -hmm. that you can get. Oh my God, that is a gift from God. Just have like being able to take them on and off. But when I have them on, I can hardly do anything. I just become this like totally useless person. I'm like on my phone literally like this. Like I can't. Yes. I don't know how women do it. Like it, I guess just practice. Yeah, it, it is. Like That's also else. why like you see women typing like with their knuckles. I'm always. Yeah. That's how I'm going to do it mm -hmm. next time. I'm yep. such an idiot for not thinking of that. Just a couple of years ago, I was still hosting at a restaurant down the street and I wore my press on nails. And I remember like, sometimes I would, I would um, run food to tables. And at one point I ran food to someone's table. It was like a couple on a date, which is always like stressful. 
because like the, you never know what's going to happen on those mm-hmm. dates. And I like put down the plate and I came back up and my, one of my nails was gone. And I was like, Oh my God, if this, if my nail is in their food, I don't know what I'm going to do. And eventually, and I just kind of like casually tried to like be like, yeah, I'm just going to hang out by your table for a second. Just like make sure everything's good. And I eventually found the nail on the floor near their table. And I was like, thank God, Mm -hmm. but wow, how gross and embarrassing. (laughs) If you do want some awesome press on nail kits that are like custom made, there yeah. is a woman who's in Thrive Collective and part of Powerful Ladies, and her Instagram is D's Nails. D's Nails? Yeah. Cool. And she custom that. paints them and been, like does all the things to them and then sends you your own kit. And you're like, what? Wow. Yeah, I'm into exactly. that for sure. Wow. Okay, cool. Mm-hmm. Thank you. <laughs> well, I would love <laughs> to get back to you and your journey. So <laughs> you're growing up in upstate New York. You're getting into music very early. Yeah. Um, did you always see like LA on the path or how did you decide to end up in LA and to really be leaning in on being a musician? That's a good question. Um, I, I went to college in Massachusetts and I went to an early college. So I went like halfway through high school, which just, I would never have researched that like on my own I just happened to live close enough and actually know people from my community that went there um but the school itself was actually my first foray into meeting anyone outside of my small town upbringing really like that was the first time I met people whose parents had like jobs like professors or actors or writers like everybody in where I grew up was working class and like I don't know, like was the contractor of the town or like owned the bakery or something. And so that was a big step for me, just that tiny thing. And it was literally 30 minutes away from my house. Uh, After college, I moved to New York City and lived there for three and a half years. And it was there that I... I would actually like pretend I was in LA for some reason. And I don't really know why. Like, there was this one bridge between, and now I can't remember the name of it, even though I used to ride my bike over it all the time, but there's a bridge between the top of Greenpoint and the bottom of Queens, uh, the bottom of Astoria, I'm sorry, Long Island City, that um, when when you would go over that bridge, like there was just this moment where it kind of reminded me of downtown LA because I had visited a couple of times. Um, and I just kind of started pretending and like was just like, cool, I'm like living in my fantasy, like whatever. And then... Uh, I had quit, I I kept a full-time job for a while, for two years and change doing, um, I was managing a web design studio, which was great. Um, I'm like a control freak person. Like I'm, it all happened in college. I was just like, I will get straight A's and I will get scholarships and like just post-its everywhere. And so I actually, the job was good for a while until I, it drove me absolutely crazy because I just couldn't stop thinking about music. So I, I quit and became a nanny. And while I was nannying, um, I had this one moment one day where I was like, you gotta go to LA. You gotta go to LA. Like literally like, like that weird God is talking to you or whatever you want to call it. And, um, I don't know. I don't, I don't know why I, I think I just went so hard because I really felt like I had nothing to lose. Like it really did feel like my practical approach was very much at odds with 
how I needed to approach things if I was ever going to see any success. Like, like I had always had a savings, always been on top of my bills, always taking good care of myself. And then like, there was this other, well, that's this hand actually. And then there was this other thing that was like, well, like, you know, you don't know how much it's going to cost to move to Los Angeles. And you don't know what it's going to be like when you take a job as a waitress and work three days a week instead of five days a week. And you don't know what it's going to be like when you spend your savings on a music video versus waiting for the right time. And so I don't know, it was just kind of like a domino. And it was terrifying. <laughs> um, it was absolutely terrifying. But um, I just kept doing it. Um, and I certainly, my mom was really supportive over the phone. My college boyfriend, who's now just a good friend of mine, um, who got me into production was very supportive over the phone too. They're both on the East coast. And then I met my current partner who is very supportive as well. Just kind of like these people, whenever I was having my worst days would be like, you're going to be okay. Hang in there. Um, the only, the only way anybody's ever been successful as an artist is by getting through this period that you're currently in and it will end at mm -hmm. some point. Yeah. When you look at the people who you are inspired by within music or that you really look up to how they've kind of charted their own course, who, who are those artists or who are those people in general? Um, the, the, my main, like I should have a shrine here for her but instead I have a pug but that's cool we like the pug too um Robin she's like my absolute number one and she she didn't like start from the bottom necessarily but she I don't know if you know this but you know show me love show me love that song was during she was a child star in Sweden and then mm -hmm. she got signed to um Interscope why am I blanking Universal one of the Universal imprints um and was working with um, um, the the big guy um, Max Martin um, for that record and that era of her record. And she um, actually, so she was like on a major label in the U.S. and mm -hmm. was doing tours and was like poised slash that was actually their strategy was we're going to make this person into the next Christina Aguilera because she's got the pipes, um, blah blah blah. And then she actually had a meltdown on stage in the middle of a show. And from there, canceled the rest of her tour, bought herself out of her record contract, took all of her good relationships on the distribution and creative side, started her own record label, and then proceeded to change the face of pop music for everybody. Like, boom. Yeah. And I just like, <laughs> when I figured that out, I was like, Oh my God, like this woman, like she, I've watched these interviews with her. There's a mm -hmm. short Swedish documentary. It's like deep in YouTube and I can find it if you guys are ever curious, but it's totally in Swedish. Um, and she cries like through all of the interviews and she's just like, I wanted to be able to be what they wanted me to be, but like I literally physically broke down and could no longer do it. And mm -hmm. I needed to find another way to be, she just couldn't not be herself, yeah. you know, and she couldn't stop creating. And I just really, I related to that on like a smaller level, obviously. Um, and I just really loved that blend of like business and creativity and 
and vulnerability and strength too. Like she, she wasn't like, yeah, like fuck those people, blah, blah, blah. She like actually picked up the phone and was like, Hey, do you want to make another record together? Because like, I have ideas that I think are better than what we were doing before. And, and she lived through a period of making music where she wasn't nearly as successful commercially as she was previously but now she's widely regarded as like like the queen of pop because of what she does and Mm -hmm. she's consistently like five years ahead of the curve it's crazy like dancing on my own is from 2009 like that's a long time ago Mm -hmm. and it's like I don't know if you've ever been out when it comes on but like everyone everyone enters this state of like body positivity euphoria <laughs> you know and I'm just like ah! <laughs> it's just like she she invented that like mm-hmm. I, I just I admire that so much that blend of like happy sad and just kind of making it happen yeah when yeah. I heard um the first song that shows up for you in Spotify your solo yes the, yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> It made me, like, in my mind, I got flashbacks to, like, Dragonette and Elle and some of these, like, French-European, like, pop ladies that I'm, like, obsessed with. Um, But I felt that in there. And I was like, oh, it's like that but new. And I was like, yes. Because you wonder, like, where that's evolving to. And both of um, those artists have, are really just doing, like, whatever we want. And this is awesome, which I also really appreciate. Totally. so I definitely heard the I'm doing it my way and we're having fun and I'm going to, you know, plus thinking about what party nails means to me, it all came together. And I was like, yes. Oh, that makes me happy. Mm-hmm. That makes me really happy. That's like, ever since I was little, I remember being like, yeah, I feel like girls and other young people just need to see and hear that sort of excitement about being themselves a little bit more because mm-hmm. I started getting like spin magazine when I was maybe 12 and just like everyone besides Karen O from the yeah, yeah, yeah's and Brody Dale from the distillers were dudes like with their guitars, like, nah, 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 nah. and, and I was like, I love Brody Dale and, and Karen O they're amazing. But also like, you don't need to be like in a leotard covered in blood to be like this cool girl in a rock band. Like there's yeah. so many different types of women and so many different ways to feel good and empowered and raw. Mm-hmm. And I was, I just kind of like remember at that moment, just being like, you got to find a way to contribute somehow, like no matter how that is. And, and I didn't really think that I would manage to do a tiny bit of that musically. I thought it would be more like, like I, I love doing that as a caregiver for sure. Being mm-hmm. like, you know what, it's okay to cry or whatever, but um, to do it on stage and to do it kind of together with a group of people in a crowd is really, really special because mm-hmm. they, they, your fans like give it back to you too. They tell you like, this is what I see. This is what you give to me. Like, thank you so much. And you're like, it, my experience of that is, holy shit, like, thank you for telling me. And also like, let's go do more. Like, let's go do more of that because like, we need this. We need this like experience together. It's really, it's, you really feel the full cycle of the energy, right? Here, I'm going to give you everything. And then you, when you get so much more back, you're like, whoa, like I would be happy if I just got like Uh a Yahoo in the back. (laughs) Oh, did I freeze? 
Oh, sorry. So I was saying like uh, when it's full circle, right? You give everything you've got. And when you get more back, you get so excited because you would have been happy if you got like a clap in the back. You would have been like, yes. Exactly. And then when it rains down on you, it's like, I didn't know that was possible. Like what? Exactly. Mm -hmm. I didn't know about that until I started touring because my first tour was with audiences that were like maybe 500 people, like give or take usually. Yeah. Mm -hmm. About 500 people, I think. Um, And they, the fan base of that headliner Paris um, is just whatever Paris likes, they're going to just be like, we're here for you. We're here for you. So it was such a wonder. Not every fan base is like that. Like some fan bases are like, why are you even here? And you're like, cause there needs to be an opening band, dude. <laughs> They're like mad about it. <laughs> but this fan base was just like, I could say anything. And it was, it was just all like, like 14 year old queer kids. They were just like, we are here to party. And, um, being able to get that feedback so quickly. Like if I Mm -hmm. lifted up my hands, like they would do that. If I said like jump, they would jump. And it was a nice experience to, to get that after, you know, like a decade of like me and five other people in a bar being like, I am singing. Hopefully you hear me. And like, that's a good skill set. Like really the experience is both, I think. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But kind of getting that gratification after a long time was really helpful. And there's a part in the Robin documentary when she comes off stage after she describes that that cycle of energy and she comes off stage and you can just see in her eyes, she's like wired. And she says something like, they really gave back to me tonight or something <laughs> like that. And it's like, I don't know, it's kind of exciting to... Mm-hmm to understand a little bit more of what exactly that means. Um, I I obviously haven't really experienced that with a large audience that are all Party Nails fans, which is a goal of mine, Um, mostly because I think it would be really, really, really fun for everybody involved, (laughs) but I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, no, for sure. It's, um, I feel the same way when I lead a class or a workshop that is awesome, right? Like, I did one the other day and people were like laughing and happy. And then like some people were crying and like my goal is never to make you cry. But like, if you're crying, I'm like, we did something important. Wait, that's amazing. I know a lot of teachers who like music teachers who say that people who perform generally make good teachers, like, or at least there's a skill set there that is harder to get without having performance experience. But mm-hmm. I am really impressed that you're able to get that sort of connection and vulnerability via Zoom because I struggle with that for sure. Like during this quarantine time, I'm like a little apprehensive to do a lot online. I know you, you kind of have to, and workshops are a little different than performances, but in the yeah. same way, it's like, do you feel like you have to be a different sort of leader? I don't. I mean, a lot of, as a, most of my life, my life is split 50-50 between leading powerful lady stuff and then being a business coach and consultant. And most of my clients in the business coaching and consulting space are over the phone or or Zoom once in a while. Like most people are by phone and a handful in person if they're local. So it's crazy to me to like see people's faces now again. Oh, interesting. And for a long time, it was really distracting because 
most of the time, like I don't, I can forget I exist. And I'm just like in that headspace of like listening and what do you need? And there yeah. are moments when you're leading a group and you're like, I'm not talking. I don't know where this is coming from, but I'll just keep opening my mouth and the words come out and it works. <laughs> if you get into that, that zone, like we did a the podcast that we released last week. I loved that the guest was like, I think I just blacked out for an hour and a half, but this was fun. <laughs> and that's what I it's like that. sometimes, right? Like sometimes yeah. you um, go into a different space. And while I don't have a big performance background, I've spoken a lot. I've done, a, um, I think like 500-ish, five, six, 500 people Jesus. is like the biggest group I've spoken in front of. Wow. And when you're, when it's that big, like you're not really talking to one person and half the time they're not even listening because it's a work thing and they're on their phone and half the group might not even speak English as their mother tongue. So they're like sort of paying attention Yeah, and it really is different. Like, um, I know that I have my like presenter voice and then I have like regular hanging out voice and I don't <laughs> even know when they switch sometimes, but, um, cause you're that like, you're, you've, you've exercised that muscle that much. Yes. Yeah. And there are times when I'm a little lazy with it and I'll like catch myself and have to get back to it. Like even, you know, um, there'll be times I tell Jordan, I'm like, I didn't do great in that podcast. Cause I forgot that I had to be generating. <laughs> like, <laughs> so it's like a, it's a funny thing, but yeah, I, I relate to so much of that. And I know a lot of performers and, and people who are in positions of like just being looked at or being the leader, do you mm-hmm. know and yeah I always like to attribute it to a level of spirituality almost like I don't know if that's just me trying to make sense of it or if mm-hmm. my therapist planted that in my head or what <laughs> but yeah I do think of it sort of as like you become a channel kind yes. of and you, like you just kind of let this other energy ha- happen and and over time you develop a trust with whatever mm-hmm. energy or energies plural yeah. take place with you. And that's pretty like reaching that level of trust, I think is the exciting part. Almost more exciting than what comes through you. You're just like, wow, like, all right, I'm letting go. This shit's happening. You know, at least on a personal level, obviously mm-hmm. it's very, you can have a lot of pride about what you're able to do as a result of that trust. But on a personal experience level, just kind of relinquishing control like that because you've practiced it so much is is a really wonderful feeling. Yeah, yeah, because there's, and I don't know if you experience this, but there's so much of the listening to who you're in front of at the same time. Like you're, to me, it's like an L because I imagine that the source is coming from through the top of my head. I don't know why that's my visual. I think yoga has planted that in my head. (laughs) But so like if it's coming this way and then out at a 90 degree angle, um, it has to go both ways, right? So yeah, yeah. um, it's I I really believe it's not that it's just like you said knowing what you already have like what are the skills I can pull from or the music or the notes that are going to answer what you want or need right now and like what kind of makes sense what I'm being directed to do yeah and it's like this crazy form of it's not talking it's not performing it ends up becoming just listening in both directions and yeah responding I never thought of it like that but you're right. You are listening in both directions. Like this one, the through the head yes. and then outward to the audience. Yes. Which I love that you like touched your heart and went out. Cause that's how yeah, it occurs for, for sure. me. Uh-huh. 
Yeah. 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 I mean, I think too, like, like took me a long time to like use my body on stage, which like is really important for any, like, honestly, waitressing helped me with that. Cause I remember being like, I have to go up to this table. I have crazy anxiety. Like, what am I going to do? And then like, I read a couple articles and they were like, just act big, you know, like put your shoulders back, stand up straight. So I would be like, and then I'd be like, hi, how are you? Blah, blah, blah. And like, just like the difference between approaching a table one way versus like this smaller way Mm -hmm. was, you know, I could literally, I would get different amounts of money. (laughs) So having that, like that financial feedback, um, really translated to the stage in a way, because I could notice like, there's a big difference between like, like doing a little bit of eyebrow furrowing and like actually kind of following a a melody with your hand or with your body or whatever. And Mm -hmm. it takes a lot of like, there's a lot of fear initially for sure. But to me, it's sort of like that all of those become an extension of this thing. And Mm -hmm. sometimes you're guessing, you know, in a way, but it's better than, than just never taking the risk at all. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, I love knowing when people have gotten to a place where you're like, okay, this is really happening. Like, I'm actually a musician now. I'm actually an artist. Like, people are listening to me. I'm on Spotify. <laughs> like, all those things start happening. Like, when you look back, like, what are some of the reasons where you're like, this never should have worked? I never should have been here. <laughs> um. That's a good question. I didn't really think, I think it's, I think it's taken me so long to step into my big girl panties and I'm so grateful to be in them that I try not to doubt being Mm -hmm. here in a way. Um, But for sure, like there's, there's so many places I still want to go. So I don't think of myself as totally like, you know, the goalpost keeps moving, but for sure, like my goal when I got, my goal when I moved to LA was to be able to massively subsidize my life by being a musician. So I've like, obviously met that goal, which is great. Um, I mean, and I've also been able to go on tours, which are expensive and all of these other things. And I don't know, I think that like, for a while, I was drinking a lot, especially on tour. And that was something that now that I've done tours as a sober person, I look back and I'm like, how did I like, how did I get anywhere on time? How did I respond to any email? How did I sing? How did I do anything? Um, And it's kind of amazing in those moments when you're actually in the middle of that, like bad decision slash bad mix of things. Like I remember one tour I was, it was the middle of winter and we were like, we were in a, a, what they call a B market, which is like a town that's not your main, like we were in between like Nashville and Atlanta or something in a town. I don't even know where we were, but it was like a smaller show. Mm-hmm. Um, like the venue itself was like the only building for miles. Kind of <laughs> and I had, it was winter. So I was sick. I like had the flu but I also drank the night before. So I was hungover and had the flu. And during sound check, I realized 
that I could almost, I like, I physically didn't really have the strength to push out the air like I needed to. And I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do. Like, I can't, but I ended up doing it. I ended up doing it. And it it was just really an informative moment for me, sort of on the, realizing how physically demanding singing is all by itself, let alone being able to dance and stuff while you are singing. Um, So I think for me, substance has a lot to do with it. And prior to substance as a professional musician, it was more of a taking the reins issue Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and very much trying to make everybody happy and like being there for my family and being there for all these things. So like, I don't know, like everybody's parents are like, come home. Like we want you to be here, blah, blah, blah. And everybody's got things that, that somebody's pressuring you to do, but what you do with that, like, I I just reached a point where I was like, Alana, like, if you're going to be totally fucking miserable, like in this small town, like you're not going to be useful to anyone, Mm -hmm. let alone yourself. And yeah. So I don't know if that really answers that question, but. Well, I'm going to recap because I think this is what I heard. So I heard that um, like pivoting moments for you were deciding to follow what you wanted versus other people. And then like just choosing to be sober when you're working because you get to be at a whole different level mentally, physically, all the things. Like I think it's really hard to be hopped up on like sugary, shitty foods, let alone alcohol. And then like be able to have that channeling thing we were talking about earlier. Like it's, there's such a drastic difference um, like taking care of yourself and being able to give back the way that you want to. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that's been a really big thing for me now. Um, and I'm so grateful to kind of, I'm grateful that the career trajectory that I've had has coincided with my age the way that it has, because, um, because I get to, feel comfortable taking good care of myself. I get to feel comfortable in my own skin. Like it all is coming at the right times for those sorts of things. Whereas like if I were in my early twenties, there's just no substitute for the experience of having been through a decade of kind of just that chaotic time of being in your twenties. Like there's no, there's no substitute for that. So Mm -hmm trying to be, you know, 22 and being able to do all the things that a 22 year old should be doing, but then also running a business and trying to stay on top of the channel, trying to stay on top of the ideas, trying to stay on top of the relationships. Like that Mm -hmm. sounds really hard. That sounds like a recipe for disaster in a way. And I mean, I, I greatly admire the people that are able to do it. But for me, I think rather than feeling sad that I should be younger or something like rather than idolizing youth the way that a lot of our culture does. I'm just like, you know what you are, you are blessed that you didn't have to do that that way and that you're able to do it with this perspective now. Cause I agree. It it like turns down your ability to channel or something Mm -hmm. or like throws a bunch of like gunky stuff in it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. totally. Well, it's just, you're exactly where you're supposed to be, which when you are able to see it and acknowledge it, you're like, oh, okay, this is exactly where I'm supposed to be. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I always wish for my younger self that I could feel that. But now that mm-hmm. I'm 
I, I'm just kind of noticing that, like, as I just said, like the, there's no substitute for just kind of living through it, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It's kind of tragic in a way, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you know, when you think of powerful ladies, what does that bring up for you as a phrase and what is powerful and ladies bring up for you separately? Hmm, that's a really good question. Powerful ladies. I, I love the podcast. So it brings up the podcast for Thank sure. You. It makes me think of my mom and a lot of the ways that she, um, I'm her only daughter. We, she has two other boys and then my dad, they, my dad has two boys as well. One mm-hmm. of them is just on his side. And so she and I, she didn't get to pass down to my brothers a lot of the female empowerment stuff that she picked up on. Um, and so, so she, she gave me a lot of information about like matriarchal societies and, and blood power and all of this stuff that I just didn't even think twice about, you know, I would go mm-hmm. to school and be like, you have your period, like praise me or whatever. I don't know. Like, I just remember some of my friends being like, you need to chill, dude. Like, like, it's not that exciting for me actually. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, yeah, like we, we, um, we had a period party a year after my first period and like all of our friends and their moms came and we kind of talked about all of those things that had to do with like basically just being a a person with a uterus and going through puberty. Mm -hmm. Um, But there was a little bit of sex in there and there was a little bit of a lot of vulnerability. Like I remember one daughter being like, mom, you never told me that you had an abortion. And the, um, the mom was like, well, it's not really like, hi, my name's Karen. I had an abortion one time. And like, we, for me, like that really helped me understand the complexity of what a powerful woman is. Mm -hmm. And like the whole event, the whole upbringing, being blessed with friends who were as willing to be open with their family as I was, or I think we just said it to each other, you know, like we enabled it in each other. And that we, we all agree now that like, that was really formative for us to see what was possible. And it's women and everyone are um, so many things all at once. You know, you can be this like an incredible channel for Mm -hmm. other people's needs and wants. You can be a channel for your own. You can, you can be small. You can be huge. You can give life. You can take care of life. You can, all of these incredible things. Um, And I can see in women, who are sort of coming into their own light, the way that they struggle with that complexity. They, because people around them are trying to tell them to, to, to simplify because it's too hard for them to understand. And it's, they're no, it's no one's fault. Like it's everywhere. That information is everywhere. That, mm-hmm. that sort of like oppressive, like, why are you trying to be so many things at once? Um, but it's like the moon. That's why the moon is our, female symbol because she like has phases and she gets to be the same thing while being all these different things so to me powerful women know that and they embrace that and they pass that down however that is like Mm -hmm. through their business through their children through their friendships all of the above um yeah yeah and then on on their own I guess similar powerful and ladies and um ladies they both like on their own it makes me think of like the opposite thing like ladies makes me think of men 
And powerful makes me think of weak. And it's sort of like, oh, but when they're together, I don't think of the opposite. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's one of my favorite questions to ask because there's it's been such the topic being the name of the company and the podcast. And I'm fascinated by the answers that people send me voluntarily and then the ones I get when I ask because um, words are so powerful and they they symbolize and mean mm-hmm. so many different things for different people. Um, but I love your perspective of it because it, it's – I partly love it selfishly because it's so close to my personal definition. <laughs> um, but it reminds me of this um, wor- worksheet we did in Thrive Collective, our, our online community, where we were, it's, it was the unicorn worksheet. And I opened the worksheet up talking about how, you know, we're discouraged to lean in on what makes us a unicorn because you can't check unicorn as a box. Yeah. Like it by saying it automatically means like, no, I'm all these things. So like, how do I put them all in? It's like, you know, the political conversations we're having about like, what does ethnicity and race mean? Because so many people are like 50 bajillion things today. Yeah. So like, can I like it work? Can I color in all the boxes? Like, what am I supposed Mm -hmm. to do? Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm, I'm glad that we're at a place where people are able to like mix it all together and just be who they are instead of cutting off an arm or isolating or like only leaning in on the one thing that people will accept from you. And that makes me excited about how things are changing. Cause I think about how progressive your mother was in your community to like be having period parties. <laughs> Cause like to me, like it would be more common to hear about it now, but totally back then you'd be like, like I'm sure there are people in the in the community. Like, wait, what are they doing? And how lucky of you to, like you said, have a community that was willing to show up. And even yeah. if they didn't realize what type of party they were going to, they're like, we're in. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I I totally agree with everything you just said, and I, I I think that it does. It is those little things that end up really rippling, you mm-hmm. know, and and it's like by being that model to me, I was able to expand on what that would be because I had a different upbringing and in a different time with a different set of friends, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and what we, what my group of friends is able to do um, and what we're able to do professionally is different. Than, and even like what, as a teacher, I was just telling my partner about this last night, like just remembering it again, like, I remember I did uh, a bunch of teaching for this group called Beats by Girls and they teach uh, young women and non-binary people how to make beats um, using this uh, software called Ableton. And the one of the first times I was leading and not just assisting, I like started the class and I was like, you know, this, this is, a, is a workshop and a curricula that was created so that women could have space to feel safe in a, in the world of technology. Like women can be producers too. And all of the girls looked at me like, duh. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and I was like, sorry, like good problem to have that like I'm behind the curve, but also like it took me a long time to get here or whatever. Like I was like, you don't understand. Um, mm-hmm. And it, like, it, it was just such a wonderful moment, you know? Cause I was like, damn. And then like, the girl that taught me, like, I've noticed differences even between us. And then, like, she's only 
five years older than me. And then, you know, my mom is 30 years older than me. And it's just really fascinating. And mm-hmm. um, I, I, yeah, I think it has, I think the best shifts happen in caregiving and teaching moments, like yes. through, you know, your older siblings, younger siblings, uh, caregiving children, teaching, all of that stuff. And, and so, yeah, I'm excited to, to kind of see how we keep evolving. And I also want to acknowledge how tricky it is, like on a professional level, sometimes when you're a quote unicorn, because it's like, it makes you a great entrepreneur, mm-hmm. but it makes it hard for people to hire you because they're like, I don't know what you are. I don't know what you do. And at any moment, you might become something else. <laughs> 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 yeah. So that's annoying, but it is what it is, I guess. I think it, it speaks to an opportunity for even to evolve how we hire people, right? Because, you know, who, do you want a one trick pony or do you want a unicorn? Because if you, as a business yeah. owner, like, I don't know where the business is going. Like, oh, all you do are is Instagram. Well, what if that changes? What if we have to move? Like, can you, how really much can point. you grow? But like, that's me being an entrepreneur, knowing how much things change versus a very static, maybe more traditional corporation. That's like, I just need you to push buttons. And you're like, but, and <laughs> But maybe there's some, I can, I am so sad that I lost the title of this, but um, there's an audible original audio book written by a man who's a professor of business, but it's about power and women in business. And one of, and it's amazing. Like this, the data that he has is crazy amazing. And one of the things that he talks about is like how good women are mm-hmm. at multitasking and anticipating change especially like there's data that supports that they're like better at it than men which like I don't I'm not like a we're better person but like I know that like we're really smart so like <laughs> I well, kind of like, <laughs> right but it's really interesting just the way that you said that was very much like yeah it's not hard for for me to think about how vastly things could change and yet mm-hmm. remain the same you know like It'll still be the same business. We'll still be offering the same services, but the skills that we need in order to do that will evolve. Mm -hmm. And it's not, it's just like so beautiful to see somebody actually doing that and thinking of it as an opportunity rather than as a strange thing. I feel Mm -hmm. like maybe I've been, I drank the, I drank the like Kool-Aid a little bit. (laughs) The corporate Kool-Aid. Yeah. I'm supposed to be one thing. Mm -hmm. You, um, I really hear in, in your sharing about like how business minded you are and how entrepreneur, entrepreneurial mm. you are. Was that always part of your makeup or is that something that you've added in and like leveled up with as you've leaned more in on being a musician? The second one for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I, it took me a long time, I think, but, um, I just saw that that was part of me because it is a little bit like um tactile it's a little bit like measurable quantum quantifiable mm-hmm. is the word i'm looking for versus like you can make a great quality product and know that it's a great quality product even even in a non-objective framework like music like you know, you can, I can listen to one of my demos and one of my mixes and know that one is objectively better, even though I can't say that one is better than something else in the world. Mm -hmm. So even with a subjective product, 
there's still that level of like, I know what's good. You know, I know how to do this, Mm -hmm. but if you don't do anything with it, nothing's going to happen with it regardless of how good it is. And so I think that that kind of just happened naturally. Cause I was like, I think I liked the challenge of noticing what worked and what didn't work and what people responded to. One of my earliest formative memories in this sense is, um, I think you guys will think this is a little funny. My song break was my first single ever. And I remember it just took forever for it to come out like totally out of my hands, political behind the scenes, stupid things. And like, I sent it around to all these trusted ears for like a year. And, um, and it was the same mix, same mix mastered, same file. And then eventually it came out. And I remember my friend emailing me and he was like, whatever you guys did, like, it sounds so much better. And I was like, (laughs) we didn't do anything. It just has cover art (laughs) and you think it sounds different. And I just am so fascinated with that. You know, like just the perception of the quality and the experience is so different. And then understanding that I stand outside of that because I made all those things that are going out. So like, I don't experience being immersed in that world the same way. So I always need to kind of be in two worlds at once. And I enjoy Mm -hmm. that challenge. I enjoy needing to like wear both hats. I will say that I am jaded a lot of the time too, though. You know, it's sort of like how much must it suck for camera operators to watch movies, you know, like, yeah, they can't, they don't believe anything. And I've only done like a handful of music videos and I can barely watch it without being like, they're just in a room that they like built. Yeah. And they're just like shooting on cameras. (laughs) This whole thing isn't even real. It's It's not magical. uh, Yeah, Mm -hmm. (laughs) of course. So yeah, I really enjoy talking about business too. Yeah. But yeah, it's only by like knowing other women, I think, that have managed to do what they wanted to do that I've been like, oh, oh, I guess I could do that mm-hmm. if I wanted to. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm going to keep going. And yeah. Well, you're saying all the right things about like the people who succeed and the entrepreneurs that succeed about like testing it and listening and responding, like that's really what most of it is. And um, it's a constant A, B test, like, or A, B, C, D test, right? Of like, (laughs) okay, I'm same thing. I'm just going to put a different title on this workshop, which one lands or because it's so much playing with what people want versus what they need, even if you know they need it. So you sell what they want. And then you're like, secretly, I'm giving you what you need. It's like putting... (laughs) broccoli in the mac and cheese like you want a bag of cheese but you got vitamins <laughs> yeah that's so much of what of what it is and no one talks about it in that it's like most of business is not um it's not sophisticated it's just you know a lot of people maybe to keep their jobs have layered in all these things and make it sound like you could never be a marketeer like you need to know seo and blah blah blah, blah. it's like you just need to know it exists and how it impacts yeah. the A-B test and then go hire someone else to do it. Like, yeah, it's, um, it's way more accessible for people to make what they want and then share it with everybody. That's reassuring to hear. Thank you. You're welcome. Yeah. I, I have to give some credit to my partner because he's so wonderful at, he's really smart about all of that, but together I think we kind of, in conversation kind of work out some of those kinks like Mm -hmm. kind of 
present an idea and then somebody will poke holes in it and we'll be like, okay, I'll go back and kind of reassess this. Um, And, but even within that, uh, like that sort of workshopping that we're able to do together, there's definitely blind spots. Like there's, there's points when I'm very much not his target audience and vice versa. Like Mm -hmm. there've been points where I'll show him cover art. Now I can never show him cover art because there was this one point where I was like, I was like, you don't like this because you're not a teenage girl, dude. Like, yes. and you can't like, you can't, there's nothing you can do. It's going to make you understand what this means to like the 16 year old that needs this or whatever. And yeah, it's really, it's, I think people, there's actually an amazing article in a, in New York magazine that I, I'll have to dig out, but like a writer writes about how a lot of corporate jargon is actually, she's like a, a linguistics person she's like it's actually a language that corporate america has invented to sell their jobs back to themselves and it's a really amazing Mm -hmm. piece about just the social science of corporate jargon and all of the images are like people being like yeah and then we'll round table this and blah like just stuff i don't even know about now because i don't work in an office anymore but like i remember at the time being like oh my god the shit that i say sometimes Uh (laughs) oh my god yeah. It makes me really excited that we're forced right now into this work from home space because you're realizing how much of everything people were doing is like stupid. Like you don't need it. You don't so need half much of the stuff. Fluff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, it's crazy. The um, We're doing a launch camp right now about how to create businesses selling what you know, right? We, which you're in that industry, right? You know how powerful it is. And yeah. I started off one of the things like who here's planned a trip? that they enjoyed and were like stayed close to budget on and had a great time. And everyone like raised their hand. I'm like, great, you can create a business plan. And they're like, you are full (laughs) of shit. I'm like, it's no different. It's no different. Wow. Yeah. They just didn't want to level up slash realize that maybe a lot of these businesses are just run by normal people. Right. You know? And I think that's, it, it's it's weird. I get it. It's a little tricky. It's it's like the adult version of when you're a kid and you realize that your parents are just people and you're like, mm-hmm. I've just been like blindly following you around my entire life and you're just a person. You like, know nothing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I get that it's a little disenchanting and 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 that it's sad in a way, but mm-hmm. also yeah. One thing I'm really enjoying about the quarantine situation is how much it's casting light on what we do use and what we do need. And it's so validating to see how much people use the arts and how much Mm -hmm. it means to them. And, and also this is kind of selfish, but I like seeing, I like seeing all the production value of big productions go down and like all of these celebrities just look like normal people. Like, Mm -hmm. like um, John Oliver and Trevor Noah are like two of my favorite talk talk hosts and you know they're both just they look amazing they're wonderful talented incredible people but without like crazy cameras and and sound and lighting and they're Mm -hmm. just people just really skilled people you know Mm -hmm. they don't Trevor Noah's face is all covered and burned in uh five o'clock shadow and I don't know it's just kind of really humanizing and wonderful to to witness in a way I think it's shortening that gap right I remember being in high school and I was always a big like magazine ripper outer and like oh yeah my collages and my music and 
I don't know how my parents weren't nervous about how much time I spent by myself in my room. Like, Dude, that's me. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I, I still can be by myself for a very long time and be entertained. And I just remember thinking like, oh, like even then being like, whose life do I want to emulate or who do I, what do I want to be chasing? And seeing these people and be like, oh, it'd be so cool if one day I could do that. And then realizing one day that, which I think we see a lot more now because of exactly what you just explained, there's nothing separating us between them. They just took the actions and did it. Like they just decided like, I'm going to be a musician or I'm going to be on TV or I'm going to be a comic or I'm going to start a business. You're like, it's that easy. It's like, yep. Yep. Like, yeah, sure. There's like a lot of steps after that, but that's the first, the first step. The first one is really the hardest one for mm-hmm. sure. Mm-hmm. I completely agree. And I, uh, I was actually just listening to query and Karen Esposito was talking about, um, her, what did she say? She said, there's pros and cons that before that, that the way that people criticize the way that she does comedy now, um, she's like, I'd rather be criticized for that than not doing it at all. Like I'm, I'm able to be a model for a lot of people that I wouldn't have been able to be were it not for this platform. And sure, there's still a lot of places I can go, but like, you know, there's only so much that one person can do kind of. And um I just kind of liked that like very, very rigorous honesty. And Mm -hmm. because like, of course there's always further, you can always push yourself further, but you do need to be realistic about what's possible in the moment. And that's hard for a lot of people to manage because we're not really taught that skill right now because I think we're just kind of a weird, like addicted society and everybody's like, make sure you follow your manners. And then like a few years later, they're like, Oh, that kid's bad. And the next thing you know, they're a fucking adult. And you're like, there was no process here. Like how is this person supposed to manage their time or their feelings or like contribute anything? Uh, And so it makes sense that it's really challenging for a lot of us, you know, and, and it was challenging for me in my own ways and everything. Um, I, yeah, for sure. It's, it's bizarre. And I, and I, I agree that it's like not complex not complicated. It's simple, but it's not easy. And it's not visible half the time, right? And it's not visible Mm -hmm. very much. Like if you see it, you're like, oh, the door has been here this whole time. Like, damn it. Like that's what most people say when they've like gone through a hurdle or climbed that mountain. They're like, I had no idea. I just had to push the like, yes button. (laughs) Yeah. That was it the whole time. Um, no, it's, 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 we do a horrible job as a society, at least in the US, of preparing people to be adults. Yeah. Like, we're just not good at it. Like, and I'd rather we like picked, like, either let's let everyone keep their childlikeness and like get rid of half the adult things that we don't actually need to do. But we, right. we like, we full communism, <laughs> full socialism. Just yeah. plug into your chair and get fed. Yes, like Wally <laughs> style. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, but like, there's so much that like we we over prepare kids with things they don't need, and yeah. then we don't give them the stuff that they do need to actually become people who can provide for themselves. Yeah. And then we make it really hard, and we hide all the secrets, and yep. it's like, what? Who? So who, weird. Whose master plan was this? <laughs> yeah. And then it's sort of ironic that in other places where 
where there's less stigma about staying at home that it, it more just has to do with being able to have some choices about why you're leaving or, Mm -hmm. or being able to support elderly people in your family. I think there's tons of data to support that like multiple generations in one house provided there's space and, you know, no drug problems and all of that um, is really beneficial for all of the generations involved Mm -hmm. or COVID exactly, (laughs) which is huge, obviously right now. Uh, But no, truly it's like, it's kind of ironic that we, that we prioritize that America prioritizes the nuclear family. I mean, but do they? That's always my argument. Like when we, when people start getting into the political divide, mm-hmm, I'm like they mm-hmm. say family values, but I haven't seen a list of anything they're recommending that adds even to the nuclear classic family. Like we don't even need to get crazy. We don't yeah. even need to like if we just talk about the um, traditional in huge quotes you know, husband, mm-hmm. wife, two kids, family, like what are we really providing to make their life better? Nothing anymore. <laughs> like, I what? mean, there's this great political cartoon that I have never stopped thinking about ever since graduating from college, which is a kid um, outside of the nuclear family home, the, the suburban house, two car garage, mm-hmm. mom, dad, and uh, golden retriever. And and his parents are like, what's so hard? Like, we started with nothing. Like, we started with nothing. And then he's in the, the kids in the yard with this giant bag that just says student debt, health care, no job opportunities. And he's like, I wish I started with nothing. Yeah. <laughs> because, like, he's starting with, like, all of these issues. And, like, I don't know why. I think that most people see that. I, I do. Mm-hmm. I just think that the, the the powerful voices are continuing. Like it's pure. Yeah. It's like lit, actually propaganda at this point, mm-hmm. which is really fucked up. But I think most people understand that, and most people want it to be better. And most I people, think so too. You know, mm-hmm. and it's it's. At, I still watch children, and I I worked part time at a preschool last year, and when they're little there's a lot of that sort of progressive thought, like people are really, really committed to um, really thinking about like what preschool they're going to go to. They spend years thinking about what preschool they're going to go to. They spend two years, the two years of preschool planning which kindergarten they're going to go to. And I think some parents do stay that plugged in, but I think a lot of other parents, like, I don't know what happens, but something happens like between three and six where like, there's like this fatigue Mm -hmm. or like they have another kid or something's going on with their marriage. I don't really know, like a no judgment, but, but like we all get excited about the beginning for Mm -hmm. sure, you know? And then, and then something happens in the middle where like, it's not new. There's nothing new or exciting. Yeah. It just becomes like, yeah, you just kind of got to do it, dude. It's like, Mm -hmm. Like cleaning. It's like, yeah, it's really exciting to clean like your new house when you first move in or whatever. But then eventually it's like, yeah, you gotta keep doing it. Yeah. Sucks. But otherwise, like your house is gonna be dirty, bro. And that's kind of how I feel about like the kid thing and the paying attention to the way that things affect our lives. We just kind of like one day we're like, oh shit. Now we're old and we have all these mental health problems. Yeah. we could have done something about that, but we forget about the why. Why? Why did we do it in the first place? Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Well, I would love to know what is next for you and how are you contributing to everyone having a more awesome life with what you're making? <laughs> um, I have a couple music videos that um, I'm really excited about. Not, not, little, the two of them have not been shot yet, but um, they're exciting because they're about um, one's about blood power, which is really exciting. It's for my song cut to bleed, which is also about blood power. Um, and then the other one is for my song Valentine, which is sort of a like, we're going to make a video about, about um, like sort of compromise, nostalgia, lost opportunities, vis-a-vis. We're still kind of brainstorming this, but a little bit of a fan fiction version of um, Twin Peaks, the relationship between Donna and um, Laura, that my friend came up with this idea. He was like, what if Donna was in love with Laura this whole time and you play Donna and we get to sort of explore that sadness with your song? And he's a gay guy. So he was like, to me, it reminds me of like how invisible I felt like up until I met my current partner, especially being in the age group of those women. So I'm excited to explore video with people who are capable of that because I'm not um and to really put myself in there and and like really show up for those things because one requires choreography and the other requires acting and I'm not like good at those things I'm I'm gonna show up for sure (laughs) (laughs) um and uh, uh in addition to the videos I hope to um collaborate with some electronic artists this year for like some mixtape dance music kind of stuff and hopefully be back on the road when it's okay to like hug people. I'd like to really interact with people Mm -hmm. as soon as possible, but not until it's safe. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, We ask everyone on the podcast where they put themselves in the powerful lady scale, zero being average everyday human. And then 12 being like the most extraordinary, powerful lady that you can imagine. Where would you put yourself today? And then where would you put yourself on average? On average. Okay. Well, today, because I selfishly think that if you're on this podcast, you're like getting a boost. But um, that may not be the case for some people. I could be totally projecting. (laughs) I like that your scale goes up to 12. Oh, did I say Um, 12 today? Yeah. Shit, it's supposed to be 10. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) um on average I feel like a six I think at all times including today maybe perfect yeah (laughs) there's no no right or wrong answer Mm -mm. I appreciate that we're gonna turn this into some psychology department eventually probably how do powerful ladies rate themselves and why? <laughs> I mean, you are collecting a lot of data mm-hmm. if you put this into spreadsheets. <laughs> yes, which I do love spreadsheets, so it's a total possibility. Though I think I would make a VA do it over myself, but... I'm a spreadsheet lover too, mm-hmm. and it, it worries me sometimes, but I just accept it. <laughs> I don't know how life can exist. Like if somebody told me I could never have a spreadsheet again, I would have to draw them out on paper. I, like at a minimum, but half of my life would suddenly get a lot harder. And un- yeah. un- like I would be doing things that are so unnecessary. 
Yeah, I agree with that. And, you know, there was a time when we did have to do spreadsheets by paper. I know, like crazy. Which is so weird to me. Like Half of the joy is being able to move your rows and columns. And color code them and all those things. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Jordan will love spreadsheets one day too. One day. One day, George. <laughs> I refuse. <laughs> As as we're wrapping up, is there anything else that you would love to share with everyone listening? Um, Jordan and Kara are awesome. And if you get the opportunity to be on this podcast, you really should take it because it's very um, rejuvenating and healing and exciting. So um, thank you for having me and for being so open and cool and funny. I appreciate it. Thank you for being a yes. And thank you for making great music. Thank you. You're very welcome. (laughs) Party Nails is awesome and Alana is a gem. I am so glad that Jordan recommended her to be a guest and that we had the honor to bring her story to all of you. Powerful ladies honor what they know in their heart and chase the path that is made just for them. And Alana is a great example of doing just that. To connect, support, and follow Alana, you can find her on Instagram and Twitter at Party Party Nails, and her links to her YouTube, Facebook, and her website, PartyPartyNails.com, are all available on our website, ThePowerfulLadies.com forward slash podcast. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of The Powerful Ladies Podcast. There are so many ways you can get involved and get supported with fellow Powerful Ladies. First, subscribe to this podcast anywhere you listen to podcasts. Give us a five-star rating and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Instagram at Powerful Ladies. Join the Powerful Ladies Thrive Collective. This is the place where Powerful Ladies connect, level up, and learn how to thrive in business and life. Be sure to subscribe to our YouTube page. And of course, visit our website, thepowerfulladies.com. I'd like to thank our producer, composer, and audio engineer, Jordan Duffy. Without her, this wouldn't be possible. You can follow her on Instagram at Jordan K. Duffy. We'll be back next week with a brand new episode. Until then, I hope you're taking on being powerful in your life. Go be awesome and up to something you love.